word. We're going to be in Acts chapter number 8 again this morning, Acts chapter number 8. We began speaking last week uh, about the, the Ethiopian eunuch, and we got down to verse number 35, and we missed the conclusion of that story. Uh, those of you who are in church today, there's been a great change in the weather, just from the moment when I, when I got up this morning until now. I guess winter does actually come to the Fort Worth area. I landed last night and was picked up at the airport, and it was 61 degrees. I said, I can deal with that. Okay, that didn't go over well. I personally like warmer weather. It was 34 when I left. It was 61 when I landed. And uh, I, I enjoy warmer weather. My bones don't feel so brittle when it is warmer. But uh, the wind and the cold has hit this area now. I walked over here this morning from my residence, and uh, I, it, it is definitely feeling a little bit colder. How many of you like cold more than warm? How many of you like warmer better than cold? All right, look at that. There's Baptists with their hands up in church. Look at that. That's a miracle. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8 is where we will be this morning. And if you would, if you're able, if you're not able, don't worry about it. But if you are able to stand for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read this text, and then we're going to get into the message. We'll start our reading in verse number 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Let's continue this message about the conversion of the Ethiopian this morning. Let's pray. Father, we pray you'd bless the preaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help me as I preach and help those that have come out to listen attentively. And Lord, we just pray that you'd come alongside and that you would do a work in the heart of the hearer this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. By way of review, last week we saw how this Ethiopian eunuch had traveled some way, some distance in order to get to Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse number 27 of this passage of Scripture, Acts 8 and 27, that this was a man of of Ethiopia. He was a eunuch of great authority, and he worked under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. He had the charge of all of her treasure, who had, the Bible says, come to Jerusalem for to worship. He's now on his way back, taking this long journey back to where he came from, And last week we explained how this place in Ethiopia was likely about 1,500 miles in order to get there by chariot. This is the same distance from leaving from here and getting to Toronto, Canada, to Los Angeles, California, 
or to some place toward Norfolk, Virginia. I was informed of that last week. That's a long way. He came a long way to worship. He came a long way to investigate the things of the Scripture. And so we saw last week that he was a man. He was from Ethiopia. He was a man of means and authority. He was a religious man. He had traveled a long way. And he was now on his way back. Now, as we considered this, we got down to verse number 35 last week and last week last week's message. We learned last week from the book of Isaiah and the 53rd chapter that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The Bible says this in Isaiah 53 and verse number uh, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So last week we learned that Christ died as a substitute for our sins. Now if we pick up last week's message in verse number 35 again. Jesus can be seen readily in the Old Testament. The Old Testament foretold of the coming of the Messiah. Jesus was active in the Old Testament, although he wasn't named in the Old Testament. I would like to say this regarding the doctrine of Christ. Christ's existence did not begin in Bethlehem. Christ was existent well before that. He was there at the very beginning when God said, Let us make man in our own image. In the image of God we were created. Male and female created he them. It was God that separated the genders. It was God that made male and female. It was God who had this great design in creation. But Jesus was existent then. The Bible speaks of Jesus being the pre-existent one. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Several appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament were seen, and we're not going to get into all of that. But Christ was born in Bethlehem. He was born to a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And these are no doubt the things that Philip was preaching to the Ethiopian from the Scripture. Now this man was worshiping God the best way he knew how. But he had not been fully instructed. Do you realize that if you're wrong about worship, if you're wrong about salvation, that it can have eternal consequences? It can have eternal consequences even if you're sincere. Have you ever met someone that was sincere, but they were sincerely wrong? You ever met someone like that? I mean, you might be able to one day purchase a car. I mean, how many of you young people would just love for that day to come when you get your driver's license and you get a chance to purchase a car? That'd be a great thing. Now, you might go into the car lot and you might think that that car doesn't need gasoline. You might actually sincerely believe that that car will never have to go to a gas station. And you can wish that into existence all you want, but someday you're going to run out of gas. You can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. I was a young man who grew up on Dale Street, and my, na- name was, was, my dad's name was Dale. I was a common sense deficient child. I just believed when I went down the street, I had it in my mind that every street was named after a father on the street. Hey, I grew up on Dale Street. My dad's name is Dale. It must be that every street was named after the greatest dad on the street. That's what I believed. 
I just found out last week that wasn't true. Now, I was probably about 11 or 12 years old when I recognized that. You know, I did a paper route in East Detroit, Michigan. Two streets over was a street called Flower. I just, it just didn't set in with me that what I was believing was not true. There are some times in the realm of the spiritual that people have something in their mind that may be not based on the scripture. And that's what they're believing. I was talking to a man this very week about the subject of salvation. And I said, you know, if you died right now, would you know for a fact, for sure, that you were going to heaven when you die? He said, well, I'm not sure anybody could know that. He said to me that he he hoped that he had done enough good in order for the Lord to allow him to get into heaven. But you see, that kind of identifies a worldview that is unscriptural. The, the worldview that, hey, if I do enough good that may outweigh my bad works, then maybe the Lord will allow me to get into heaven. What we need to do is relegate our thoughts spiritually as to what the Bible says. We believe here in this church that the Bible is the sole authority for the faith that we practice. Everything we believe should come from the Bible, not because we think it. You know, you can think something again, and you can be very wrong. And by the way, how many of your thoughts have changed over the last several years? (laughs) Some of you have. Some of you can remember 20 years ago in your life, maybe some of you who are middle-aged and you were married many years ago, do you think the same now as you thought when you were first married? Your thoughts and your life, they change. They sometimes evolve. But God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's Word does not change. And so this man's faith, the Ethiopian's faith, was progressing. He was progressively getting to know the truth. He had the Old Testament and was reading the Old Testament, but he had not heard the message of Jesus Christ. He believed in God but that he did not place his trust in God's Son. He hadn't heard the message of God's Son, and he hadn't believed on Jesus. Do you realize that there are people who actually do have a love for God, or believe in God, but they are not saved? You say, well, how can that be? Well, you know the Bible says that the devils believe that there is a God, and tremble. Just because you have a knowledge that God exists, does not mean that you are saved, that you've been born again. You know, this man was worshiping, he had the Bible, yet he had not heard the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. In reference to the eunuch, here is what he learned from the preaching of Philip from this passage of Scripture. Number one, Jesus Christ died for the sins of others. He didn't die for his own sins, and there's still people today who would argue that point. Now, if you want to be, you know, like some of these who who would argue why Jesus died or write books about why Jesus died, and I can encourage you this. Do not get truth about Jesus from the news channels. You're not going to get truth about Christ from Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. You're not going to get truth from those sources. You're not going to get truth, young people, from Instagram and Facebook and from TikTok. I mean, God forbid this is where you get your news from. Here's what I want to tell you. You young people, sometimes you can believe a lie because of something you've looked at. And by the way, the news media and these social media companies, they are great at directing your thoughts to go in one direction. The Bible will not lead you in the wrong direction. So if you believe what the Bible says about Jesus and about salvation, you're going to be good. Jesus didn't die for his own sins. 
Jesus died for the sins of others. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we were, yet he was without sin. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was the spotless, sinless Son of God. He never sinned. He was altogether perfect. He never had an unholy thought. He never backtalked his parents. He never thought a thought of lust. He never committed any act of sin. He never put anything that he shouldn't have inside of his body. Jesus Christ was altogether perfect and altogether holy, and he never committed any sins. And when he died at the end of his life, he was paying for the sins of others. Jesus Christ died for the Ethiopian sins as a substitute. As a lamb would be sacrificed for the sins of a family... So Christ died for our sins. In the Old Testament and in the Jewish economy, sins could not be forgiven without the shedding of blood. Now I know that this is very difficult for we as Americans to think about. The shedding of blood for the remission of sins. We live in a culture who sometimes put animals on the very same plane as human beings. God did not create us to be like that. God created us to view animals as creatures. Sometimes creatures are pets. And I have a pet myself. His name is Charlie. Okay? He's a cute puppy. I I like Charlie a lot. For me to say I love Charlie, my kids would say that. But uh, this morning my wife texted me and she said, Charlie is looking for you. The dog knows how to open my bedroom door. He jumps on the bed sniffing for me. He can't find me because I'm not home. Now, I like pets. But my pets aren't as important to me as my children. Animals are good, especially if they're of the cow family. Yes. You know, today, today I'm probably going to put some of that in the ministry. Okay, I'm going to eat a hamburger or a steak or something to that. God did put animals on the earth to sustain us, to help us. Now, you, your worldview may be a little different than that, but what I'm trying to say is in the Old Testament, when sins would be forgiven, a man would have to take a lamb to the, to the place of worship, and they would have to kill the lamb, and the blood would be shed. That blood was being shed, and children would see this along with their parents, not for the lamb's sin, but for theirs. Sin always had a cost. Our sins cost Jesus Christ something. It cost him his life. He shed his blood because we were sinners. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ was guilty of no sin. He was the spotless Lamb of God, and Jesus Christ, the Ethiopian, was told, there is no way to heaven outside of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. By the way, it's not through religious works or activities. You come to church today, I thank God that you chose to come to church. But you will not go to heaven because you attend church. If you put some money in the offering today, those of you who are visiting today, you're welcome to put into the offering. You, you know, as a visitor, I don't want you to feel obligated to put in for the offering and things like that. Thank the Lord for those who do. But if you put something into the offering plate, that's not why you'll go to heaven. You don't go to, go to heaven because you're good or because you perform good works. The only way that we can go to heaven is by receiving the gift of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now we come to the subject of baptism. It is historical. It is a historical doctrine as we consider the subject of baptism. What was the purpose of baptism? Because evidently the Ethiopian eunuch was very interested in it. 
He knew that he had never been baptized. He'd heard the preaching of Jesus Christ, and now they're on their way in this chariot. And in verse 36, it says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now the Ethiopian somehow had an idea in his mind that something stood between him and getting baptized. No doubt from things that he had heard. And he was right. Now baptism in the New Testament did have a beginning. That is New Testament baptism. While the subject of baptism was found previous to the beginning of the New Testament, and it was, if you study Jewish history, you'll find that people were baptizing in other forms and fashions and ceremonial washings took place before John the Baptist came on the scene. If you study Jewish history, you'll see that that is true. However, when John the Baptist came on the scene, there was a different baptism offered. It was something that was new. It was something that was unique. It was something that people, even religious people, had to investigate. The baptism of John the Baptist ushered in a new time in history. John the Baptist, we know, was the cousin of Jesus Christ. He was born six months before Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about baptism, and we find baptism here in Acts chapter 8. Let us go back to when baptism began in the New Testament. Matthew chapter number 3 is where we will find ourselves in God's Word. Matthew chapter number 3. Now, many doctrines have come from baptism. Many churches teach different things about baptism. We at Metropolitan Baptist Church are going to teach what the Bible has to say about baptism. I don't have any authority to change what God's Word says. I have no authority to say, well, we don't like what the Bible says about it, so we're going to change what the Bible teaches. Let's not do that. Let's just accept the words of Scripture. Now, Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 1. It says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He was John the Baptist, not John a Baptist. He was known as John the Baptist because he was the one who was sent from God to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was prophesied about in the Old Testament. It gives us what his purpose was in the first few verses of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. He came in verse 2 preaching on repentance. He came in verse number 3 saying, I'm identifying myself as the one who Isaiah wrote about. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This was John's purpose. The forerunner of Christ was there to use his voice, to cry out, to get people's attention. Not to point to himself, but to point to Jesus Christ. What he was doing was he was preaching to prepare the way of the Lord. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Some of you young ladies, one day you're going to want to get married and you're going to arrange, you and your family are going to arrange for probably a beautiful wedding. Most times women have, have uh, expectations of weddings that very rarely can be met. Okay, the pastor will mess something up, the limo will show up with food on the seat, something is going to happen at your wedding that's wrong. Your husband will get tongue-tied, you know, the vows won't be said exactly right. The music won't come in. Somebody who sings in, 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 uh, for the wedding, their voice will crack and everything will all fall apart and it's not even worth it. 
This is a tough crowd. (laughs) Typically, if you set up a church for a wedding, the seats in the middle aisle are going to get moved. You know why they're going to get moved? Because the bride is going to come down the center aisle. Because the bride is the center of attention. Now, it's a wise thing to have a wedding coordinator these days. Because you don't want somebody like me coordinating a wedding. You want someone who's thought about it. You probably want a woman who has had a wedding to coordinate the wedding. And when they move the chairs out of the way in the center aisle, what kind of wedding coordinator would have obstacles for the the bride to jump over in order to get down the aisle? Only as a joke. Ladies, you don't want any obstacles. What you want is a clear path in order for you to get down the aisle. That is what John the Baptist did through his preaching. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He didn't preach for himself. He didn't preach about himself. He preached about Christ. He pointed to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. That was John, the, what John the Baptist did for Christ. He prepared for him by preaching. He also prepared a people for the Lord by baptizing them in water after they confessed their sins. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 6. Or excuse me, Matthew 3 and 6. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. John the Baptist would only baptize people who had brought forth fruit, meat for repentance. In other words, evidence that they had turned from their way of life and had believed on the coming Messiah. In verse number 7, John the Baptist, a strong preacher, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, this was not a flattering comment, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He's telling them now, Bring forth fruit, meets for repentance. And then he talked to them about their pedigree. Don't think that Abraham, just because you're a Jew, is going to save you. Because he won't. Jewish people who reject the Lord cannot be saved. You have to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. John the Baptist was the one who was sent with authority to baptize in water. It was him. He was the one who was sent with authority. Now we're not going to take time to turn to Matthew 21. You could turn there and read a story how the the Pharisees were trying to say, where do you get this authority from? To the Lord. Who gives you the authority to teach these things? He said, I'll answer your question if you answer mine. He said, the baptism of John, did it come from God? Did it come from heaven? Or did men just come up with it? And they didn't want to answer the Lord because if they said that it came from heaven, Jesus would ask them, then why didn't you get baptized? If baptism was, was, a, was a command given by God to John the Baptist, why didn't you get baptized? So they said, we, can't, we don't know how to answer your question. And Jesus said, I'm not going to give you my answer either. One thing is for certain, John the Baptist had the authority to baptize. Even Jesus himself submitted to the baptism of John. Right here in verse number 13 of Matthew chapter number 3, the scripture says this, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now, we talked about the Ethiopian eunuch traveling some 1,500 miles in order to get to Jerusalem. I am told by scholars I've never been to Jerusalem, but the distance between Galilee and where the Jordan River was was some 60 miles. Jesus traveled a good, long way in order to come to John the Baptist. He didn't come to John the Baptist's followers. He didn't go to some other person. He went to the person who was sent from God to baptize. He went to John the Baptist. The Bible says in verse 14, John didn't even understand this. 
He thought he was going to get baptized by Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Verse number 14, But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou unto me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And the Bible says, Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist. The baptism of Jesus, we can say from the Scripture, verse 17, it pleased the Father. I want to say this this morning, baptism still pleases God. Baptism is still important and relevant. Jesus did not get baptized in order to be saved, for Christ didn't have any reason to be saved. He was salvation. Do you know why Christ was baptized? He was baptized to give us an example of to follow. When I grew up, I'd always hear our preachers say, listen, if you get saved by the grace of God, if you believe on Jesus Christ for salvation, the first step of obedience to a new believer is to get baptized in water. We see that in the Ethiopian eunuch story. He was baptized by the proper authority, by John the Baptist, who was sent by God for that purpose. Now the word baptize, if you look up the meaning, it comes from a Greek word, baptizo. That word means to dip, to plunge, to submerge completely under. It's a picture of death and burial. You ever been out to a graveyard and saw somebody throw dirt on a dead body and say they're buried? That was a question, folks. It's okay, you can answer it. No, I've never seen that. You, uh, burial is not pictured by throwing dirt on someone. We're going to baptize in just a moment. We had a, a baptism take place when I was growing up, and it was a, a man from our uh, local nursing home, and he was very scared of the water. And I, had a, we, I grew up under a preacher named Brother McWhorter, and Brother McWhorter had firm beliefs about baptism, meaning that they, you have to go all the way under the water. And there was a piece of glass by the baptistry, and every time he tried to dunk this fellow, he would reach his hands up and try to you know, hold himself out of the water because he didn't trust that Brother Paul was going to be able to lift him up. And Brother Paul said, no, no. He was from Kentucky. He said, no, no, you've got to go all the way under. You've got to trust me. I'm going to get you all the way down, but you've got to go all the way down because the picture's burial. Your hand can't be left up. Your elbow can't be left up. I've got to get you all the way under. And how we do it matters because it pictures death and burial. It's a picture. It's an outward sign. Listen, baptism in the waters of baptism doesn't save you. Your salvation is not sealed by baptism. Baptism is you telling your family, the congregation, I have been saved by the grace of Christ. I am being buried with him by baptism into death and I'm being raised to walk in newness of life. My old life is back there. My new life is out here. It's a public testimony. Now I want to make one thing clear. Baptism is a work. You understand that? We're going to have a baptism in just a few moments. Somebody's going to have to put some effort into that. If I don't have the strength to lift this sister up, she's going to go down and stay down. You know what I'm saying? i got to do it. It's a work of a man's hands. And the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which ye have done. You don't get saved by being baptized. 
You get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation takes place when there is a belief in the heart and when there is a confession with the mouth. And when those two things take place, that's when salvation takes place. Now, the Ethiopian eunuch, if you flip your Bible back to Acts chapter number 8, and we'll close with these words. Acts chapter 8, his question was, what stands between me and getting baptized? What hinders me from getting baptized in water? Now, we won't take time to talk about this very long. If you are holding a New International Version Bible, you will not find verse 37 in your text. Because that verse has been removed from your Bible. And what I can tell you is things that are different are not the same. If your Bible doesn't have verse 37, you really don't have all the words of the Bible. Verse 37 propones the doctrine of the Scripture, believer's baptism. Now the NIV and all the other modern versions were translated from corrupt manuscripts, manuscripts that were questionable and that were rejected by the translators. Listen, I'm not going to get into all of the details of this, but what I can say to you is if you don't have verse 37, you needed to. And I would be asking questions if I were you, why don't I have that verse? In verse number 37, and Philip said, here's what... Here's here's how you can get baptized. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. You can get baptized if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What he had been preached to about was Jesus suffering and dying for his sins. What he was preached to about was that Jesus rose again from the dead the third day. What he was preached to about was that Jesus is the only way for salvation. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Philip said, stop the chariot. Or the eunuch said, stop the chariot. And they both got down in the water. You see, for Bible baptism to take place, something has to happen. If you have your Bible in the book of Acts, flip it over a few pages to the book of Romans. Romans comes right after Acts and turn to Romans chapter number 10. This is a picture of what took place with the Ethiopian eunuch. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, and just let the Bible speak for itself. Romans 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what? Thou shalt be saved. Salvation, if baptism was necessary, it would be right there. Verse 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, this is mouth confession, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. This is receiving in the heart the truths about Christ for salvation. Thou shalt be saved. Verse 10 describes it even further. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want to tell you something. I wanted to get baptized after I got saved. But if I hadn't made it to the baptismal waters, I would have still went to heaven when I died. I got saved at an old-fashioned altar. I sat over here. I knelt down over here in the, the shape of our church. As I knelt down, I confessed myself a sinner before God, and I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I had faith that Christ would do for me what He said that He would do, which would save me if I would only believe, I knew in my heart that the Lord had saved my soul. Once and for all, Amen. I had the peace of God that passeth all understanding given to my heart. 
And it was a wonderful thing. When I stood up, I went down there a lost young man. I stood up a saved young man. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And I said, hey, I'd like to get baptized. Well, about a week or two later, I got baptized in water. I had been baptized previous to that. Uh, a few times. And we can get into that just to, you know, in some other, other days. But you know, the only time that water ever got stuck in my ear was when I got baptized after I got saved. And I started thinking about that. The devil was saying, why did water get stuck in your ear? It didn't get stuck in your ear the other times. You know, that's how the devil operates. He tries to get you to doubt. Now listen, I didn't get saved by being baptized anyway. Baptism was telling other people what had happened in my heart. And that's what happened to this man in Acts chapter number 8. Without a mouth confession, no scriptural baptism can take place. You can't get baptized unless you confess with your mouth. You can't get saved without a belief in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. So prior to baptism, there must be a belief in the heart and a confession made with the mouth. In the case of this man from Ethiopia, he came to Jerusalem to worship, but he came without Christ without having believed on Christ for the salvation of his soul. He was on his way home reading the Bible and was met by a preacher who introduced him to the truths about Jesus, and he gladly received the word by faith. After his mouth confession and heart belief, he followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. The last few points we'd like to make this morning is, number one, baptism is still important. Baptism still pleases God And this doctrine, the true doctrine of baptism, was promised by Christ to be here until the end of this age, in Matthew 28. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is going to continue to be obeyed all the way to the end of the age. The Bible says, until the end of the world, he said, lo, I'm with you. There's nothing that's going to change about the doctrine that we're speaking of today. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been saved by the grace of God? Can you take me to a time and a place in your life when you, you knew that you were a sinner, you knew that if you died you wouldn't go to heaven, that, it would, that any punishment that came to you from God that you would deserve it, but you believed the truths of, of Jesus Christ and of the scripture where you said, hey, I know that I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of my sin through what Jesus Christ did for me. Listen, the good news of the gospel is if you're lost, Jesus wants to save you. The Bible says this, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. If you're a sinner here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, do you realize Jesus came to save you? He loves you. He died for you. There's not one sin that you've ever committed that He didn't die for. If you've never been saved, won't you be saved today? And there may be somebody here today and you've been saved. You, can, you know that you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. You remember when he came into your life, but you've never followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. I want to invite you to follow the Lord by obeying him, by being baptized in the name of the Lord. Let's stand together as we prepare for this verse of invitation. Maybe the Lord's spoken to you today. Maybe there's somebody here today who's lost. You don't know the Lord as your Savior. All it takes is a step of faith. All it takes is for you to acknowledge, Pastor, I'm lost, but I want to be saved. Are you tired of your life without Christ? 
Some of you may have come into church today and you're just tired. Life is hard. This whole world, there's a bunch of winding roads. There's paths you never planned on going. I'm here to tell you, Jesus said this, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Christ wants to lighten your load today. He wants to save you if you're lost. If you're lost today, and the Lord's kind of massaging something in your heart, He's just, there's something burning in there and saying, You know what, I've never been saved. I want to invite you as your friend. Once you come down here, I'll show you how to be saved. I'll have somebody work with you. You say, well, everybody, what will, what will everybody think? First of all, don't let anybody else and what they think keep you out of heaven. But there's not a person in this church today who would think anything bad if you walk this aisle to come and get saved. There are going to be people rejoicing. In fact, there's probably people praying for your soul right now. If God spoke to you, With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're going to have just Brother John sing this verse of invitation. Everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If God spoke to your heart, I'm inviting you to come right now as we sing. All to Jesus I surrender. If you need to be saved, come on. If you need to pray for someone to be saved, if you've got a family member, a lost loved one, you want to come and pray, the altar is open for you. These others have come. I want to invite you to come. How about you, young people? What happens to you if you go out into eternity? What happens to you if you don't know the Lord? Say, I got time, Pastor. I, I don't have to get saved now. You don't know how much time you have. The Bible says no man's promised tomorrow. The Lord spoke to you. You should come. Come on now. If the Lord's spoken to you, you can come down. It's okay. It takes courage. We'll help you. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. As we sing, all to Jesus, I surrender all. This Bible passage, a man was saved. It was a blessing when he got saved be a blessing if you get saved, sir, ma'am, young person. When you get saved, God will lighten that burden of sin. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all as we sing. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power. Let Thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all, 
to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. We're going to sing one other verse. If no one else comes, we're going to move on to the next thing. We're going to have those get ready for baptism that are getting ready right now or should be getting ready now. But if, if you need to come to the church and say, hey, listen, I need to get baptized. I've never been baptized. I'd like to be scripturally baptized. We'd love to receive you. And maybe you need to make something right with somebody else in the church. If God's dealing in your heart, this is your verse as we sing this last verse. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. of God said, Amen. Please be seated. We're going to have a baptism service. Brother John's going to come and lead us in a couple songs while we change, and we'll be out in just a moment for baptism. Amen. If you would, turn in your hymn books to page 264. 264. This is the song I had in my head earlier when we sang the other song that wasn't in my head. <laughs> he is able to deliver thee. Tis the grandest the last verse. Let's sing that on the third. Tis the grandest theme let the tidings flow to the guilty
My sins are gone. All right, watch me. You ask me how I'm happy, so I'll just tell you what because my sins are gone. And when I meet the scoffers who ask me where they are, I say, My sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far as darkness is gone. a melody. Hope you have a melody in your heart today. If you're saved, you ought to. Can you turn these lights back on? All right, 395. I have a song that Jesus see Christ.
337. Trust and obey. That's what we do. We trust and then we obey. Then we do in faith, in trusting. Let's stand. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, people thankful in church today. Isn't that a blessing? It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Make sure you pray for Miss Queen as she starts her relationship with the Lord. And uh, we, we want to work with everybody who's newly saved to be discipled so we can teach them the truths of God's word so that they can grow. Uh, please be in prayer for them. If you are a teenager, a parent of a teenager, if you're interested in church camp, I want to invite you to come to the chapel for as we can talk for a few moments about what our plans are for this year at camp. And uh, we just want to say again, those of you who are visiting, thank you very much for being here today. We pray that you have been blessed by being in the house of the Lord. Let's bow for a word of dismissal prayer. Our Father, we thank you for what we have seen and heard today. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. And Lord, we do pray that if there is someone here today who is not saved, they've never believed on you for salvation, uh, that Lord, you'd work in their heart uh, so that they might be saved. And Lord, I just pray that you would help our church as we minister to our community and to the, those who are here today. We do pray your blessings on Queen as uh, she is getting started with her life with Christ. We pray, Lord, that your blessing and protection would be about her. We ask and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to ask Miss Queen and her mom to come down here in front. And you're dismissed after you shake their hand and extend the right hand of Christian fellowship. <laughs>